Hey, 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 this is Laura, and welcome to Fight Like a Girl, a survivor's tale. I do have a disclaimer I would like to just put out there. Fight Like a Girl, a survivor's tale does not condone violence in any form. Not at all, guys, not even a little bit. That's why we're here, right? So I just want to make a clarification on my website that I gave out last time. So I I left part of it out and I feel like a complete idiot because that's how you can find me, email me and all that fun stuff. So my website address is fight like a girl, A-L-W-A dot W-I-X, S like Sam, I-T-E dot com forward slash my hyphen site. So again, fight like a girl, A-L-W-A dot Wix site dot com forward slash my hyphen site. Um, so go there. I've got things posted on there already. Our first episode is on there. Um, there's uh, phone numbers on there where you can uh, go to find help. Um, there's all about me on there. Uh, there's a bunch of good stuff on there, guys. And again, I'm just so grateful to be here at this point in my life and be able to record my life journey. Um, I will give another disclaimer. Today is going to be rough. This episode that I'm going to do is going to be rough. Um, there's a lot of abuse involved in it. So I just want to put that out there. Um, on the website, I did... Um, put on there the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. National Suicide Hotline, you can either call or text, and it's just 988. Child Help, which is a wonderful website that I found for um, children that are being abused, and that's 1-800-422-4453. And my last one is the LGBTQI help. It's called the network forward slash law red. And the phone number for that one is 1-800-832-1901. I'm going to read off some statistics today because it was quite alarming to me. Um, I just did not grasp, I guess, how big of a problem we have here in the United States. Like this is the U.S. alone. And I can definitely research other countries. So if you're not in the U.S., but you want to know other things like other statistics or you need, um, you know, hotlines for your area, just let me know. Okay, let me know. Go to my website and uh, just send me an email. Okay. My email, let's just put that out there. Cause that's probably helpful. Um, my email that you can reach me at is fight like a girl, always all together, fight like a girl, always at gmail.com. So real simple. It's kind of long, but you know, it is what it is. So these st- statistics that I'm pulling off today that I want to kind of go over, because again, they are alarming. Um, You can find these statistics online at ncadv.org forward slash statistics. 
So on this website, this is what I found. It says, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States during one year. This equates to more than 10 million women and men being abused. The next one is one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, contraction of sexually transmitted, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, another one is, let's see, so one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, like beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Um, on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed into domestic violence hotlines nationwide. Um, the presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%, guys, 500%. That's huge. Um, intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Women between the ages of 18 and 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. Domestic victimization is cor correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Um, rape, one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States has been raped in their lifetime. That is alarming. If you have a family where you have five girls, the statistics say that one of them will be raped. It's so alarming to me, just so alarming. Um, almost all of female 46.7% and male 44.9% victims of rape in the United States were raped by an acquaintance. Of these, 45.4% of female rape victims and 29% of male rape, rape victims were raped by an intimate partner. Um, when I start talking about my ex, um, I fall into that percentage. I fall into that percentage. Um, it just, it goes on and on. Children and domestic violence. So one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. And 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. I can say my kids were witness to domestic violence. And it just, these, these statistics are alarming. Like alarming. That is just, it's it's too much. It's way too much that this is happening way too much. Um, so again, my, my goal in this podcast is to be a voice, um, to offer help, support, etc. But being a voice for those that don't feel like they have a voice. Guys, I want to be your voice. I want to help. I want to spread awareness. I want to offer a community of support. Again, for domestic violence, childhood abuse, 
um, deconstruction from religion. We're going to be going over all these things. Okay. I've already got guest speakers lined up to talk about these things. Um, people have reached out to me and they want to share their story. That is what I wanted. That is what I wanted with this is to be able to bring people together to share their stories. And I'll be honest, my, my reach is women. I want to help women. Um, if you're a man that has suffered through domestic violence, I'm sorry, you know, but right now for right now, my, my goal, my, what I want is a community of women so that we can come and share and feel safe. Um, and unfortunately it's because most of our abuse has come from, you know, either men in our life or some creepoid that walks up on us on the street. So with that said, um, I'm going to share one of my stories with you today. Like I said, it's going to be rough and I don't even know if my kids know all these details. So if they listen to this, they're definitely going to hear some things. So I was, I was, uh, an only child for six years out of my life. Um, then my brother came along. I have memories of my parents being really loving with me. Um, my dad definitely showed me favoritism, um, and I remember I was a spoiled, rotten child. Like, I remember when my brother came along and I was like, get rid of him, send him back. I didn't ask for this. I mean, you know, you're just that only child syndrome. And so anyways, um, I remember good things with my dad. Like he, we would go fishing. That's when I actually liked fishing. Now I have ADD and it's too boring. I just can't sit there. Okay. I know for others, it's very therapeutic for me. This is not a good path. Number one, I don't like to touch those slimy things. Um, but I remember these good memories with my dad. When I remember it, well, the memories that I have, it could be blocked from that early still. But some of my memories that I have is more like when um, I was a teenager. I would say middle school-ish age and up. Um by that time, my brother, you know, was there. My sister came along two years after my brother. And I just remember. So I remember my dad would always take me to a restaurant every night, like every night just to have coffee or whatever. I didn't drink coffee, but he did. He would hide that from my mom. Um, because the cult I belong to, we didn't drink coffee or alcohol or anything like that. So um, I remember going to these places with my dad and he would treat me really special. And he would, uh, he was grooming me is what it comes down to. He was grooming me. Um, he would give me money and tell me not to tell my mom. And as I looked back at that, when I started breaking that down, you know, it was a payoff. Like, you know, it wasn't like, here's money because your grades are good or here's money because um, you're just, you're just doing such a great job 
when you watch your brother and sister. No, this was hush money. And he would give me hush money probably three times a week. And if I wanted more money, all I'd have to say to him is, I'm going to tell my mom. So at the time that that was happening or the memories that I have of that happening, I don't remember a lot as far as like, um, why, why this was all happening. I do want to go back to an earlier memory of when I was about eight years old. Um, we lived in, in Roseburg, Oregon, and I, this is how I, See, I can remember the money and stuff being the teenager, junior high and up. But when we lived in Oregon, I would have all the boys from the neighborhood come to my house. And we had a huge backyard. It was gorgeous. And it had so many trees. And I would, and please, no judgment, okay? No judgment in this podcast, this is hardcore truth. And I am burying my soul right now. I have not told people this, not very many people anyways. And so now the whole world's going to hear it. Um, I would have boys over and I would allow them to touch me. I would take off my clothes and allow them to touch me. Um, and I thought it was perfectly normal. Like that's what I thought they wanted. So I'd put my clothes back on and... We'd go back out front, riding our bikes, on our skateboards, whatever. And this would happen often, like often. And this is not normal behavior of an eight-year-old child. Um, I feel like when my mom had my brother and sister, my dad changed. Like he's a violent, he was a violent bipolar schizophrenic. And my environment was very unstable, like always. Um, But I feel like when my mom had my brother and then my sister, my dad started going downhill even more. And I think when that happened, I know for a fact, because I have very vague memories of my dad molesting me. Um, And I bet you anything that down the road, he didn't think that I remembered those things. But the problem was it escalated. It didn't stop. Um, He would terrorize me, literally terrorize me. I am so deathly afraid of bugs, of even butterflies, ladybugs, everything. Because my dad would come into the bathroom when I was bathing. And he had a whole slew of like those rubber spiders and stuff that you can buy at a store and he would throw them in the bathtub with me and and then I of course I would jump up and scream and I'm butt naked and he would get his jollies off so this happened so many times and it was it is like gone. I'm 53 years old and I still cannot handle bugs at all. I freak out. I freeze. I pee my pants. Um, my kids have witnessed that. And, um, so the damage that this kind of abuse does to you is just so long. And it was over years, like years. 
And I remember being nine, 10 years old. And I always thought, I can't wait to get out of this house. I can't wait to get away from him. Um, where we lived in Roseburg, there was a huge ditch in front of our house. It was kind of like houses on each side and you could ride your bike around and around and around. Well, my mom did not like me going down into the ditch. I had a couple friends there in this neighborhood and um, the huge weeping willow tree in the middle of it. It was so beautiful. I can still see that tree and blackberry bushes and I remember escaping there, like hiding, because my dad wouldn't go down there, because my mom would always tell me, don't go down there, there's snakes. But it was one place that I could go where I actually felt safe, and my dad wouldn't go down there. He would stand outside at the top of the ditch, but couldn't see us because of all the shrubs and that big tree, and he would scream my name. So, guys, sorry. I'm just trying to breathe through this a little bit. Somebody once explained to me that, like, going through therapy or releasing these things is like a Coke bottle. You keep the lid on and you shake it, shake it, shake it. But when that lid pops off, it explodes. And I'll go over that more in a different podcast of what happened to me when that happened. So I, we moved back to California and by this time I'm in junior high now when we moved back to California. And this is when, um, the money started coming into play. And, uh, I also, I remember just breathing. Um, I remember there was this girl that lived in our apartment complex and we lived in a very poor area and, um, she became my friend for a while. Um, and I didn't have boys around anymore to allow that kind of abuse that we talked about a few minutes ago. And so I remember one night I was staying at her house and we abused each other sexually. And I know, and I remember her telling me that her, her, she, her dad was abusing her. Um, and I remember thinking and wanting to tell her that my dad was abusing me, but I didn't tell her. I couldn't, I couldn't tell her. Um, it, it consumed me like this abuse just consumed me. Um, and then be having this unhealthy relationship with my dad. I mean, you know, I knew that if I wanted money, what I had to do, you know what I mean? Like I'd leave my door open a crack or, um, you know, I'd wait until my mom was asleep, things like that. So, and you know what? Remember when we talked about in the overview how I had to let go of a lot of guilt? I had to let go of guilt on this because I questioned myself. Was I asking for it? And the honest answer is no, I wasn't. But it was trained behavior. Did I grow up to be a molester and abuser? No, I did not. Um, did I have an anger problem? Yes. And we can definitely go over that in a different podcast. 
Um, but I did not grow up to be a molester or an abuser or anything like that. By the time I got to um, high school, I remember this day so well. So my dad every night would say, okay, Laura, let's go to whatever restaurant, you know, okay. I say, okay, dad, let's go. And I remember one night I was like putting on my jacket and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're going to go, we're going to go like we always do. And he looked at me and said, not anymore. And he told me I was ugly he told me I wouldn't ad- amount to anything in my life. Um, this was the man that was supposed to protect me and love me through. And he was my dad, even though he was doing all this to me. And I remember that night so well because he took my sister. He took my sister to, to the restaurant and he told me that I needed to not be picky or choosy when it comes to inviting a boyfriend into my life. Um, there was this man that a young boy that I, not young boy, but teenager that I liked at church and, and he was different. He was really different, but he was a good guy. But I remember saying, I'm not going to date that guy. He's a weirdo. And my dad told me you're no Madonna. So you better take what you can get. Um, Abuse towards me sexually stopped at that point. Um, physical abuse, so like, and mental abuse continued. I, I watched him kick my brother around several times. Um, and of course, he wasn't sexually abusing me then. And I can only assume that he was at that time sexually abusing my sister. Um, but mentally, he was still coming after me. Um you know, you're ugly constantly, this bombardment of you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And when, right before I went into high school as a senior, um, we had moved to Fontana. That's where I graduated Fontana high school. And I met this amazing family, um, that allowed me to be a part of their family and they showed me love and accepted me for who I was and I still, to this day, have such a great love for this family. And I don't know what would have happened to me if they had not come into my life. Because, number one, I was really freaking pissed off that my parents moved me from uh, my last year in high school. And I had been with these group of girls, my friends, from like sixth grade up to 11th grade. And then... It was like, bam, we were moving. And I'll be honest with you. I think that my dad got himself into trouble. Um, Other things about my dad is that he belonged to the KKK. He was a very prejudiced man. Um, And I think it got to a point where we were living that we couldn't be there because of his actions. And so we moved to Fontana and it turned out to be a blessing for me because I did meet this family and they changed my life. They made my life so much better. This is like, I know this seemed like a lot to unpack, but this is like one course of a memory. Um, There's so much more in regards to my dad that we'll do in other podcasts. Um, But this is like a course of, probably the most prominent 
memory um, that stands out because I do want to say, because my dad was such an insane prejudiced person, I could not be that way. Um, I, I wasn't that way. I had Hispanic friends. I had African-American friends. I had, um, I had an Asian friend that I loved very much. I don't remember what exact nationality she was, but I can see her face and she was so beautiful and loving. And I had my, my Samoan brothers and sisters there where I grew up in Paramount and they loved and accepted me and I loved them so much. And, uh, I had a, a young woman's leader at church that was African-American Mildred and, I still have so much love for her. She, she showed me so much kindness and love. And it was new to me because of being in such a, an environment at my house where if you weren't white, you were trash. And I don't understand that kind of mentality. I remember even at that time, I could not understand the hate that my dad had for somebody because they were different or their skin color was different than mine. I just, I couldn't understand that. And we'll talk more about my grooming that my father did trying to get me into his organization. That's a whole nother story and it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I went through a lot there and it, it, it shaped me and it molded me. And, you know, because of that, I married somebody who was abusive. You know, they always say you marry your dad. And so I, I know not everybody does because you can break that cycle. Um, but I wasn't able to break that cycle. So yes, I married somebody that was abusive. Um, but what my dad did to me helped me to be a stronger person. It helped me to have love for humankind, not just love for one race. I, I can't even stress that to you guys, how much I just love people. I, it doesn't matter when, you know what, I, I've had friends that are come from other side of the world in this group I belong to for uterine cancer, um, were the peaches because peach is the color for uterine cancer. And there, we're from all over the freaking world in this group. And I just love people. So that was a very positive thing that came out of this abusive situation. Um, I did learn healthy boundaries later on in life. As you know, when it pertains to like when it's good to show your body and when you shouldn't be out there showing your body or letting the neighborhood boys come and do that. So I did learn boundaries. It took a while. Um, I, again, I'm just, I'm so grateful for my kids because they're so beautiful and so full of love and they, they don't have that prejudice in them. And I'm just, I'm so grateful guys. I'm so, so, so grateful. And I hope this wasn't too much for you. I hope that there's some of you out there that will hear this that can relate to what happened to me and we'll be able to reach out and we can talk about it. Um, that's, that's why I'm sharing. 
I'm sharing very intimate parts of my life with you so that I can help others. I want the world to be a better place for people and they don't have to be afraid and feel alone in their struggles because you're not alone. You have me, you have your family, you have friends. I am just here to help facilitate support. This is my calling. This is my community. This is, you know, I have my community that's metaphysical, but then I also have a community of women that I associate with that have been a huge part in my life um, from the moment I learned I had cancer. And there's so many of them that I just love and I've lost along the way. And I'm just grateful right now. And I know I keep saying that, but let's just move forward. And please, please share this group, share this podcast. Let's help people come together. Let's be the voice for those that don't have a voice, that can't speak their truth, that cannot stand in their truth. Um, so again, let's kind of like review where you can find me and everything so you can hear this podcast on Spotify, on um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, um, Podcast Inbox, Deezer, Samsung Podcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and RSS. Um, you can email me at fightlikeagirlalways at gmail.com. Go to my website at fightlikeagirlalwa.wixsite.com forward slash my hyphen site. And it hyphen is not spelled out. It's a hyphen. <laughs> um, so go to my webpage and contact me and let's, let's see what we can do to help each other. I am going to set up a Patreon site. Um, because when you do podcasts, it costs money. Um, these recording, uh, you know, the system you use to record, um, the system that you use to download, it all costs money. So I will be setting up a Patreon site. What I'll do with that money is use it to always be improving my equipment, but also um, to donate to the causes that help people being able to get out of their violent situation or to help them you know, work through trauma of cancer or domestic violence, child abuse, all of that. So that's where we're at today. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for coming. And you know what? Just have a really good day. Bye. Bye.